Well, good evening. It's good to see everybody here. Glad to have those of you joining with us there online, whether you're on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, any of those platforms there. Be sure to like, to heart, to share, uh, retweet us there on Twitter, uh, comment, especially all those little things that you can do there uh, just helps to get the word out to all of your friends uh, even more because they're, that's just the way those algorithms uh, work on each one of those platforms. They get, a, they get that information out to your friends and to your friends' friends. Uh, also, welcome to those who are on our phone live streaming. If you need that number, I'll be glad to give you that number after the service, but glad to have you joining with us also. If you have access to the church website, go to highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab there. You can download the worship bulletin, uh, the children's worship bulletins there. Those are in the windowsill to my right if you need those in person. Uh, if you want to take some home with you to hand out to other people, if you want to use it as an outreach tool, uh, you can use the paper versions for that, or you can use uh, the online version for that, just sending the link to your friends uh, and, and encouraging them to take a look at it and see what they think about it. Uh, also, you can download under that info tab the prayer list, so be sure to get that downloaded uh, so you can be praying through those prayer requests uh, all throughout the week. And then while you're there on the church website, uh, go to the far right-hand side, click that Give Online tab. You can do your regular giving, your golden offering for Tennessee Missions giving. Uh, you can set it up as a one-time gift, a recurring gift, however you want to do that. You can do that in person uh, as well from online, or you can do that uh, with the envelopes that are in the windowsills uh, and around. So the white ones are your regular offering, the pink are for the golden offering for Tennessee Missions. And then don't forget the prayer guide for the golden offering. Uh, continue to be praying through that. Uh, we'll be sharing some more videos next Sunday uh, and the following Sunday about uh, the golden offering for Tennessee Missions. So Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us. Take your hymnals and turn to 447 and let's sing all verses of Trust and Obey. favor he shows and the joy he 
Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Miss Pat, and that was a great introduction earlier. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 6. Uh, the series that we're going through is just hitting some passages, uh, some chapters throughout the book of Genesis uh, that maybe I've never preached even through, and so I uh, wanted to share the whole counsel of God's Word uh, I may have shared some of these things before, but not in this context from this chapter here in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 to verse 22. So I've entitled the message tonight, Standing by Faith. We're going to be looking, continuing to look at Noah and his life. We looked at Methuselah uh, last week in Enoch and uh, all that God uh, is doing there. And so, to, or two weeks ago, and now tonight we're back here with Noah. So if you would, let's stand as we read God's word in honor of his word, Genesis chapter 6 and verse 1 down through Verse 4. When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim on, were on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man, and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer tonight, Lord, I pray that you will make this passage alive for us. Make it show us the relevancy, Lord, for this passage for our lives as New Testament believers. And especially, Lord, throughout this passage, I pray that there will be those who may be lost who will hear the gospel here in Genesis chapter 6. And Father, I pray for you to just bless your word in a powerful way. Bless this message and may you use it in our hearts and our lives to draw us, Lord, to stand by faith, to walk by faith, to live by faith in our hearts and our lives each and every day. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Well, as we come to Genesis chapter 6 here, except for the increase in violence and crime, the times of Noah was pretty good. 
You know, we'd say the same thing about the times in which we're living in. And people, as Matthew 24, verse 38 says, uh, in describing the days of Noah, it says they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage uh, until the day when Noah entered the ark. Uh, and life was just going on as usual. Uh, when friends met at the marketplace or at wedding feasts, uh, they would laugh about Noah. They would laugh about him and his family. I mean, you could just imagine him uh, building this great big boat on dry land that had never been built before, um, had never had rain or floods like this ever before. Uh, and so you could just imagine them talking about him. They may have been even talking about Methuselah. Uh, we talked about last time how uh, Methuselah, who was the oldest man uh, in the world at that time, uh, the, his name indicated the prophecy would come when he uh, died. We'll see that again in just a moment. But uh, everybody was saying about Methuselah, you know, Methuselah, he's going to die one of these days. He's going to die one of these days. And they kept saying that. They probably kept ridiculing uh, things that Noah would say. Or maybe they talked about Enoch. Uh, you remember Enoch, Noah's great-grandfather, the man who just suddenly disappeared. Strangest thing in the world. Uh, that's, that's what people would have maybe said. Strangest thing I've ever heard. You know, Methuselah uh, was Noah's, was, was was, uh, Noah's uh, great-grandfather. Uh, and when he died, nothing stood in the way of God's judgment falling on a wicked world. Methuselah's name, we said, meant when he is dead, it shall be sent. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. What was the it? The it was the judgment that was coming. And so his name carried with it a prophecy of, of what was yet to come. So for over a century, for over a hundred years, Noah had been warning people about the coming judgment uh, of God. But only his family had believed him and only his family trusted the Lord. And then all of a sudden Methuselah did die. And Methuselah died and things began to happen. One day Noah and his family entered that big boat and the rains began to come. Maybe they thought, you know, we can't go on forever, can it? And maybe they said, it'll stop one of these days. But it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And more water came from beneath the earth than ever before. Even after the rain stopped, the water continued to rise. As you'll read in the, in the passages there uh, that we won't go into tonight or uh, we've already, I've already preached some messages from that part. But, for, but within five months, within five months, the whole earth was underwater. And everything that breathed and was living was dead. Everything that is except Noah and his family and those animals that were on the ship, on the boat with him, on the ark with him, those eight people that everybody had laughed at. What kind of person was Noah? Well, while Noah is best known for being the builder and this captain of this ark and the caretaker of those animals, we find he's also included in the New Testament in what we refer to as the great hall of faith over in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, but he's there for a different reason, not because he was the captain of this ark, not because of rescuing all those animals. It wasn't so much that he built the ark and gathered in the animals. It was how he did it. Uh, 
In, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 says, he did it by faith. So it says in verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So when we look at Noah, we can learn how to overcome incredible obstacles and obey God in spite of our circumstances and do it all by faith. So, you know, sometimes we look at our world and we think that our world that we live in is a dark world. We think our world that we live in is a dangerous world, and it is. But our world is, is really a picnic compared to life just before the Genesis flood. In the face of wickedness so depraved that God had to destroy it all, one man and his family became a light in the midst of that darkness. God saw the light and saved that light in them so he could begin again. And I wonder what it must have been like for Noah. Noah was the, the, the only person, the only husband, the only father, the only head of a family who believed the judgment of God was coming. And so against a, a dark backdrop of sin, if you will, and, and corruption in this world, Noah was the only one who believed God. Genesis 6 verse 8, we're going to skip ahead a few verses here, says this, that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now the first verses of this chapter, as we've already begun to read here, uh, talk about how bad the world was and how... God was sorry that he had even made man and grieved uh, in his heart uh, that. And that's what we read here in verses 1 down through verse 4. So let's take a look at those verses again. We won't go into the detail of who the, the Nephilim are and who the giants are and all of those things. It's, it's inconsequential to, to the text here. The point of the text is, is to show that there was corruption and sin all over the face of this earth. It permeated everywhere. So verse 1 said, When man began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took as their wives any they chose. So they're just taking whoever they want to. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. And so he limits the days, uh, the number of days of a man to 120 years. And then he says, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. And, and then let me just read verse 5 here. It's probably not in the right order there, Ben. But uh, verse 5 says this, the Lord saw the, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That's the whole point of what he's sharing these first seven to eight verses about and then the emphasis that we'll see in verse eight in just a moment. And so you read through those first verses and you read about how, how terrible and how bad the world was and then you do come to verse eight that says, but in the midst of all of that darkness, in the midst of all of the wickedness that's going on, but... Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. One of the things you'll always see through the Old Testament and the New Testament is that God always has a remnant, even a remnant of one, uh, whose faithfulness he can depend upon. After Noah, 
comes people like Moses and Daniel and many others. In the New Testament, you've got John the Baptist and, and Paul and Peter and James and John. But when the world was about to self-destruct, Noah was the man who found favor in God's eyes. Now, a reasonable question would be to ask, why Noah? What was so different about Noah? What was so special about Noah? And in discovering the answer to why Noah, we're going to also discover the answer to why us. The world that we live in today is filled with sin. And God is looking for those who will live their lives standing by faith, obeying him just like Noah did. Noah was chosen by God and spared his judgment because he was a man of faith. Now, what do we mean by that? We mean a man who trusted completely in the Lord. So the first thing we want to get from this passage uh, tonight in Genesis chapter 6 is that faith was expressed in a wicked generation. So, you know, we may think and look around us and see how wicked our world is and we wonder, where is the faith? Where are the people of God? I mean, why aren't people more faithful uh, than, they, than they used to be? Uh, go on to verse 5 again and we'll pick up there. And he begin, as we've read already, he said there, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. And so he tells just how bad it is here in Noah's day. Noah and his family are the only ones out of the entire population on the earth who were righteous, a family of eight individuals in all the earth. It was a world that was filled with sin. Nowhere in the Bible is there a better description of the total depravity of mankind than in Genesis 6 and verse 5, where it says, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now understand what total depravity means. It, mean, it doesn't mean that we're always as bad as we could be. Nor does it mean that every person is as bad as every other person. I mean, you would, we would not classify ourselves in the same bad category as we would somebody like Hitler uh, or somebody who's committed a mass murder. Uh, but as we see here, it means that every part of our life is infected with sin with depravity, and that there's no part of our life that isn't touched by the root of, the, uh, of, the, of wickedness and evil. And so verse 5 says that the wickedness was great, speaking of its intensity. Uh, there simply wasn't any regard for right or wrong. And we see our, our world, not just our nation, but our world moving towards that thought even more and more as the days go on. No regard for right or wrong. Uh, here in Noah's day, <clears throat> they were in the, the full-blown expression uh, of, of what we're moving toward in our day, the denial of absolute truth and morality. Whatever you want to do, you're free to do. And that's the way they were living right up until the day that the ark was closed and the floods came. Another thing we see about this also about total depravity is that the, the wickedness affected every intention of the thoughts of his heart. 
And then thirdly, people did only evil. And it says that they did it continually. That is, they always chose wrong when they were faced with the choice between right and wrong. And they made that choice over and over and over and over and over again. That's the way people were living in that day. And it seems like that's the way we're living more and more in our days. Wickedness in Noah's day was like water blasting out of a fire hydrant. It was unrelenting. It was overwhelming. Overwhelming for everyone except Noah. Now, this wickedness permeated every level of of people in Noah's day. It permeated their minds. It permeated their will. it, it, It permeated their emotions. Now, the word intention there in verse 5 means, uh, some versions translate it imaginations uh, or desire or wishes. It refers to the person's will, uh, that, that out of the will of their lives, they're always choosing evil things because that's all they're thinking about. The word thoughts refers to the mind, as we've already indicated there, and, and heart refers to the emotions uh, that were uh, stained and polluted by the, the inclination, if you will, for wickedness. Everything they did was infected by sin and wickedness. Everything we do even today is infected by sin and wickedness. It was a world of, of riotous violence. Verse 11 down through verse 13 tells us this. So verse 11 says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So those verses talk about the violence that filled the earth. What do you think about with violence? You think about murder and rape and stealing, killing. When people have no regard for anything except their own desires, they'll stop at nothing to fulfill those desires. Imagine God looking down on a world of people who were just continuously committing act of violence after act of violence against one another. Not just an occasional act of violence by a few, but continual acts of violence by everyone except Noah and his family. And we're going to come back to these verses in verse 11 through verse 13. But it was a world of riotous violence. It was also a world of religious indifference. Because here's Noah who's preaching the message of God's coming judgment every day for about 120 years, but he had nobody who responded. Could you imagine that? A preacher preaching for 120 years and not one single person responds to the message. Seems like it gets that way more and more, doesn't it? People don't respond to the messages that you hear from God's Word. Everybody heard it. Everybody heard His Word and heard the judgment. And He had no converts outside His wife, His three sons, and their wives. 
They responded to the message of salvation, but the rest of the human race was indifferent. Jesus himself uh, talked about these days of Noah. Uh, when you read in Matthew 24, verse 37, uh, over through verse 39, uh, we read that just a little piece of that a while ago where he said that they were eating and drinking and marrying. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and marrying, but that's all they were doing. They were just carrying on their human lives with no regard to the Word of God or to the will of God that was being preached to them by Noah. It was just business as usual for the people of Noah's day. They dismissed Noah as a fanatic. That's sort of the setting that we have in our culture today. The world's culture <coughs> laughs at Christians when we talk about a coming judgment. Noah was a picture of what we can expect in our day of, as our day of judgment uh, grows closer. And so just like the ark was the only safe place to be in Noah's day, so Jesus is our ark. He is our hiding place. He is the only safe refuge to carry us through the judgment that is to come. If we're not willing to be bold and proclaim the truth about God's judgment and find refuge in the ark, which is Jesus Christ, then we're not living by faith like Noah did. Now, we're not a minority of one like Noah was. There are thousands and thousands of us who believe the Bible, and yet so often we're still intimidated by our culture. Noah wasn't, and we shouldn't be either. He kept on preaching. It didn't matter to him that nobody responded. He just kept on doing what the Lord had called him to do. Notice also, secondly here, that faith was established on grace. Faith was expressed in a wicked generation there, but it was also established on grace because Noah wasn't godly because of his family line or because of his environment. He was godly because he had been changed by the grace of God. Uh, go back and look at what Genesis 6 and verse 8 says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord or found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and verse 9 says, for by grace... You have been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. We're saved not by our great and godly works, but by the grace which comes to us as a free gift. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 tells us uh, about Christ who is the gift who saved us and called us to a holy calling not because of our works but because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Someone said that God has only children, no grandchildren, meaning that no one gets to heaven because they're the child of a believer. Just because your parents are Christians doesn't mean that you're going to get into heaven. It's a personal decision every one of us has to make. It wasn't Noah's parents who saved him. It was God and his grace. But we also see that faith was effective in his family. So notice here, Noah is living out his faith 
And he's living it out in the midst of this world that's around him, in the darkness of this corrupt, evil world, that all their thoughts are to, is to do evil continually. He keeps living his faith out, and it begins to impact his family. It, it was effective in his family. Remember, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Noah only had three sons, uh, but the whole world came from his three sons after the flood. But more than their fruitfulness is the faithfulness of Noah's family. Because all of his children and their wives followed Noah in their obedience to God. All those who were in the ark were saved as believers. They trusted in God. Noah's faith was strong, and it was contagious. His sons and their wives, they had been drawn to Noah's God by Noah's faith and the grace of his life that he was living out. Think about it. No doubt, here were Noah's sons who, who were probably the ones who helped him build this ark. Every day they would work together with their dad. It, it, who was always explaining to them uh, who God was and, and, and what he was about to bring upon the earth, telling them uh, about the message he had been preaching uh, to the people. Now, understand this. Faith isn't transferable, but it is contagious. You know, the greatest ministry field uh, that, that we'll ever have is our family and especially our children. Uh, we're around them more than anybody else is, and we ought to, to, to have the greatest impact for Christ in their lives that, that anybody could ever have. So if the faith you have as a parent is real, then it ought to impact the lives of your children, and they ought to make it their own. And that's what Noah's family did. They didn't have to believe their dad. Those boys didn't have to believe Noah. They could have chose, just like you see so often around us, children whose parents are godly parents, they teach their children the truths and the right ways of God, and those children choose to go away from God. Noah's three sons could have chosen, I'm not listening to this. I'm going to go over here with the rest of the crowd, with the rest of the world. But Noah's three sons stuck by their dad. They heard their dad, they saw their dad, they listened to their dad, and he was always pouring into them his faith in God. Not only was his faith effective in his family, his faith was evident to his neighbors. So go back to verse 9, down through verse 10. So verse 9 says... These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Who else did we hear did that? Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was not. So Noah's still walking in that vein that, that Enoch had walked in and had been impacted by his life. And so here is Noah, uh, who is blameless in his generation, Noah who walked with God. Verse 10 tells us that Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, there in verse 9, we see that Noah worked by faith. Noah's character must have been evident to everybody who saw him. So not only are his sons working on this ark with him, helping them to build it, hearing what he's saying... But he also is talking around to his neighbors. As he's working, he's sharing. 
Sometimes he's taking a break and he's sharing the Word of God with them, sharing the message God had, had brought to them. And so Noah's character must have been evident to everybody who, who saw him. Genesis 6, 9 says there he was a righteous man. He was blameless. Some versions say perfect. And we know they're none perfect till we get to heaven will be perfect there. So it doesn't mean perfection in that. It means righteous. Righteous means to be right with God. He was living in a way that is right with God. Uh, that's what it means in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it mean to, meant to be genuine and sincere. So Noah, he was both of those things. He was an, an heir of the, the righteousness that comes by faith that we saw in, in Hebrews 11 uh, and verse 7. He, he was uh, the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. And so Noah conducted himself in such a manner before man and before God that people saw his faith in God. He worked by faith. Not only did he work by faith, doing what God told him to do, he witnessed by faith. Notice that word generations there in verse 9 and 10. It could mean one of two things. First, it could refer to how Noah conducted himself in the midst of the evil generations that came and went in his lifetime. It could have meant those generations. Or it could have been a reference to the root meaning of generations, which means to go in a circle. That would mean that Noah had found a new center for his life, and his whole life revolved around God and God's will. His life would have been a testimony by virtue of it being centered in the ways of God and fulfilling God's will. He didn't allow his life to be pulled into all that wickedness that was around him. And so when people would look at Noah, they would say, there's something different definitely about Noah. He's not like all the rest of us who are around here. They could see his life as centered on something different. His life was controlled by his faith in God. Understand for us that God has to be the center of our lives today. He was the center of the life of Noah. And Noah also walked by faith, we see there. Noah was a man who was a friend of God, a man who walked with God, as verse 9 tells us there. The only other person in Scripture who was described as walking with God was Enoch, Noah's great-great-grandfather. Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah. See that in Genesis 5, verse 21 to 29. In his day, he was the only person in the world who walked with God. Now think about that where we are today. Would you be considered the only person who walked with God? All of his life, all of Noah's life, he walked against the grain. He was always going in the opposite direction of everybody else. Noah walked, his walk with God was all the more remarkable when we realized God told him to do something that had never been done before. Who even knew what an ark was? But Noah walked with God. And he let God speak to him and tell him, here's what I want you to do. Now think about this. Noah wasn't a preacher by trade. What did he know? What was his skill? A carpenter. 
That reminds me and tells me God will take you in wherever stage you are in life and whatever abilities that he has gifted you with, whatever talents that you have, and he wants to use you just as you are. He wants to use those talents. And so here's Noah that he tells him, I want you to build this ark. What's an ark, God? Never heard of that before. God begins to give him dimensions, almost like an engineer, isn't he? He gives him dimensions here, gives him the scale for what he's supposed to build, how big it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to be made of. He's laying out detail by detail by detail to him. And Noah walks by faith, listening to the word of God and obeying the word of God. Fifthly, I want you to see this, that faith was enlightened by God. Because of their close relationship, God includes Noah in the plans of the earth. As we noted, in, uh, noted here, God tells us, uh, he tells those uh, who care. God, God is seen reviewing the earth. Notice back in verse 11 and verse 12. It says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So those verses there are giving us a picture of the earth from God's perspective. It was corrupt. It was filled with violence. That violence and, and unrestrained evil were flaunted. It was applauded. Everywhere God looked, his eyes were filled with, with all the wicked, deplorable conditions of his creation. And so we see God is seen reviewing the earth, but we also see that God is seen revealing his wrath. In verse 13, God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So God begins his message to Noah. And what he's saying to Noah is, Humanity is coming to an end. Except for you and your family who are trusting. God was going to cut off every human being who lived on the face of the earth and destroy them along with the earth itself. Now that could have been a frightening revelation to Noah. Except that God begins to give him specific instructions. He was going to be saved from the wrath of God that was about to come over mankind. And so notice that faith was exact in its obedience. Here's where we get our greatest insight into Noah's life. He takes God completely seriously at his word. By faith, he receives God's word and his instructions, and he sets about to fulfill everything God tells him. He, Noah was exact in his obedience. So notice the proportions of the ark were exact. God gave Noah exact proportions for the ark he was to build in verse 14 down through verse 16. So he tells him, here, I want you to build this ark. You've never seen it before, but I'm going to describe it for you. I'm going to paint a picture for you. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The lengths of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. Its height, 30 cubits. 
He says, make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. Now think about this. We have to believe that if Noah had not followed God's instructions exactly, neither him nor his family nor those animals would have ever made it through the flood that was coming on this earth. If Noah had said, you know what, I don't know that we really need pitch on this thing. I don't know that we need to really fill the cracks on this thing. It's surely not going to be that bad, is it? They wouldn't have never made it. Our very salvation and our deliverance depends upon following God exactly. So here's Noah, a carpenter, building an ark of salvation. And it makes us think of the carpenter Jesus preparing the ark of salvation as well. In neither case was the ark carelessly prepared. Our salvation depends upon God's plan. And it can only be realized when we follow it exactly. Notice the promise of judgment was exact. Notice verse 17. He says, for behold, so he goes into a little bit more description about how he's going to destroy the earth. He says, for behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. That judgment was exact as well. Because that's exactly what happened. We ought to never doubt God's promises concerning anything, especially, most of all, his judgment. The destruction of the world and all that was in it happened just like God said it would. And then notice also that the plan of salvation was exact. Not only was God's judgment exact, but his plan of salvation was exact as well. Notice verse 18 down through verse 21. He said, but, so I'm going to do this, I'm going to destroy the face of the earth with this great flood that's coming, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you, and of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. So the invitation to Noah and his family after this is to go into the ark to go through the door of the ark and they would be saved. In fact, if you notice chapter 7 and verse 1, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Now, he says, go through the door uh, into the ark and you'll find salvation. If you fail to go through the door into the ark, you're going to be destroyed. Now, a couple of things that I want to share about that. The, the word come there or go, as it's translated here in the English Standard Version, uh, go into the ark, this is the first occurrence in the Bible. Most of the time, this word is translated throughout the Bible, come or come in. 
Uh, one of its last uses is in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 22, verse 17, that says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who desires the water of life without price. Jesus also himself said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, Come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The message of the gospel has always been a message to come to the Lord, that the only way for salvation is in him. Now, we already looked at this before when we looked at the ark, but let me just remind you of that. How many doors were there on the ark? There's only one. How many ways are there to salvation to heaven? There's only one. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There was only one way for Noah and his family to be saved, and that was to come into the ark, and God shut the door. There was only one way for salvation, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Then we notice the performance of Noah was exact. Go to the last verse, verse 22. Verse 22 says, Noah did this. Wouldn't that be a great epitaph on our tombstones? The testimony of our lives, he did what the Lord told him to do. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Right there in that verse lies the key and the secret to Noah's faith. When God told him to do something, he did it. All too often we look at God's word or we read God's word or we hear God's word and we say, I'm not doing that. But Noah did it. Noah did this. He was a man who took God at his word. We don't have any record that, uh, of Noah ever disagreeing with God, ever debating with God about his instructions. Well, God, are you sure about this? You know, don't, don't we do that so often? We, we argue with God, we disagree with God, and we think, Lord, surely there's got to be a different way out of this situation. Surely I don't have to go and apologize to that person that I wronged. Surely I don't have to offer somebody forgiveness when they don't, they don't, they're not even sorry for what they did. Noah never disagreed with God. He never debated with God. He believed his salvation depended on God's wisdom, on God's plan, and he just chose, I'm going to receive it, I'm going to do it, just like God told me to do it. For us to be saved and to move ahead as men and women of faith, we have to do the same thing. We don't need to debate God. We don't need to disagree with God. His word needs to become our command. What a powerful word. What a powerful testimony that's left about Noah here. We need to be doers of the word and not hearers only. When we look at Noah, you learn here how to overcome incredible obstacles 
Why? How did he do it? Because he obeyed God in spite of his circumstances. And he did it all by standing in faith. Lord, I don't know how it's going to work out. Lord, I don't know how you're going to fix this situation. I don't know how you're going to resolve this problem in my life. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be obedient to what your word tells me to do. I'm going to stand by faith. What a lesson for us tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful testimony from a man who was just a carpenter, who was a man who had heard about you from others throughout his generations, his great-great-grandfather Enoch walking with you and talking with you, and then he was not. And then his, his grandfather and his dad, and then he himself, who was a man who, was, uh, who, who found favor in your eyes, and you chose him to use him to literally change the face of this world. Lord, I don't know who you're wanting to use this message in their heart and their life, but Lord, you, you are in the changing business and you are always changing our lives from what it was to what you would have it to be. And Lord, I, you may be wanting to use someone who's hearing this message to, to impact this world in ways that they could never have imagined for your kingdom's sake. And maybe it just begins by them hearing your word and deciding within their hearts, I'm going to believe your word. And I'm going to trust your word. And I'm going to do your word. No matter what. Even if I have to be the only one going against the grain of the world, doing the very opposite of what this world says to do, if I'm following you, being obedient to your word, then Lord, I pray that you will bless us and you will use us. Lord, we may never even see the fruits of our labor. But Lord, I pray that we will be faithful all the days of our life to you who has loved us, who has cared for us, who sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. So Lord, I pray tonight that if there are those who are not saved, may they respond to you and call out to you for salvation, trusting in Jesus repenting of their sin, turning away from it, and turning to follow you. And Lord, may there be others of us who are believers who will say, that's the kind of person I want to be. That's the way I want to live my life. That's the legacy and the testimony that I want to leave. I did what God told me to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, uh, we Number 281, uh, Brother Mike, if you'll come and lead us, if you'll stand uh, as we sing.
we're so glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, we look forward to seeing you back Wednesday night. Uh, we'll be finishing up the book of Zephaniah. We're getting closer and closer to the end of those minor prophets. So you come and join us Wednesday night if you can. Don't forget, Awana is uh, still in session. So uh, we'll be having Awana. Pray for those kids. Pray for our teachers. Pray for our youth uh, as they've been at Grace tonight. And they'll be, uh, is it at Grace Wednesday night that they're doing the meal? Or is it at the school? It's at the high school. Yeah, so remember them, though, as they'll be there. The kids will be here for a while. All those things going on. A lot of things happening as, as we're getting closer uh, to October here. It is officially fall, people. <laughs> so who knew it would get here? Uh, it's still been so warm. But glad to have you with us. You have a blessed week. Stay safe. We'll see you this coming Wednesday.